Good morning, everyone. If you have your Bible with you, will you take it out, please? Go into your Old Testament this morning to the book of 1 Kings. Let's go into the Old Testament to the book of 1 Kings, the 12th chapter. In our first study this morning, I want to say some things that are going to be particularly targeted at our young people that are here this morning. But in addition to our young folks, particularly our teenagers, I hope that every person, whether young or seasoned, will be able to draw some lessons from what we're going to study this morning together. Let's start with 1 Kings 12 and verse number 1. We need to read all that the scripture says here about this incident. 1 Kings 12 and verse 1 says, Then Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. Now when Jeroboam, the son of Nabot, heard of it, he was living in Egypt. For he was yet in Egypt, where he had fled from the presence of King Solomon. Then they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke hard. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put on us, and we will serve you. Then he said to them, Depart for three days, then return to me. So the people departed. King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who had served his father Solomon while he was still alive, saying, How do you counsel me to answer this people? Then they spoke to him, saying, If you will be a servant to this people today and will serve them and grant their petition and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the elders which they, which they had given him and consulted with the young men who grew up with him and served him. So he said to them, What counsel do you give that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Lighten the yoke which your father put on us? The young men who grew up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you shall say to this people who spoke to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now you make it lighter for us. But you shall speak to them. My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Whereas my father loaded you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Then Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day, as the king had directed, saying, Return to me on the third day. The king answered the people harshly, for he forsook the advice of the elders which they had given him. And he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of events from the Lord, that he might establish his word, which the Lord spoke through Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Naboth. When all of Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion do we have with David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now look after your own house, David. So Israel departed to their tents. But as for the sons of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram who was over the forced labor, and all of Israel stoned him to death. And King Rehoboam made haste to mount his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. It came about when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had returned 
that they sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over all of Israel. None but the tribe of Judah followed the house of David. What we find here in these verses is a critical moment in the history of the nation of Israel. It is a moment when one person's foolish decision negatively impacted thousands and thousands of people for a very long time. And for those of you who are wondering who this, who this one person is that I am referring to, I want to suggest that you go back to the beginning of the chapter and look carefully at, at what it says. Notice how at, at the beginning of verse number one of this chapter, we're introduced to a man named Rehoboam. Rehoboam, now at least in my view, Rehoboam is one of the more intriguing characters to study in the scriptures. He's not someone that we talk a whole lot about today, but he is still very significant to the Bible story. He's still very significant to understanding the history of the nation of Israel. He was actually the heir to the throne of the wise man Solomon. In fact, notice how as this chapter opens up, Solomon has died and Rehoboam has ascended to the throne. Rehoboam is now the king of the entire nation of Israel. In fact, after he's appointed to be the king in a place called Shechem, the scripture says in verse number three that the people of Israel appeared before him in that place to make a request. They have a request to make to their newly appointed king, and the request is pretty easy to understand. Their request is, will you be different? Will you be different than your daddy? Will you be different than Solomon and, and ease up on us? Will you lighten the heavy load that he put on us? That was the proposal that the people of Israel laid before Rehoboam. And let me suggest that that proposal is a very important proposal. That is a very significant proposition. In fact, to Rehoboam's credit, he doesn't easily dismiss it, does he? He, he doesn't lightly brush it aside or, or easily sweep it under the rug. Instead, the Bible says in verse number five that Rehoboam decided to ponder on it very critically. He, he decided to think very carefully about the proposition that the people brought before him. In fact, he told the people to depart for, from him and, and, and return in three days. And he said, I'll have an answer. He said, you leave and you come back in three days and I'll have an answer to your proposal. And that's exactly what the people did. The people left Rehoboam and they went back home for three days. And during that time, verse six says Rehoboam not only thought about the proposition, but he also sought some advice. He actually sought advice from two specific groups of people when the first group that he goes to was the older and and wiser and, and experienced men who had served under his father Solomon. He goes to the older and wiser and seasoned men and, and he asked them, well, what should I do? 
What should I do in, in, in this critical moment of decision? And they told him what turned out to be the right answer. And that was listen to the people. Grant their request. Be considerate towards them and trust that they will serve you faithfully just like they promised. That's what these older and wiser and experienced men, men told him to do, but evidently that's not what he wanted to do. That's not what he wanted to hear. I say that because the Bible also says that after consulting with these older and seasoned men who served under his father, he then consulted with a second group, and the second group he went to was very different than the first group. Whereas the first group consisted of older and wiser men of experience, the second group he goes to is, is young. These are young men. In fact, these are his contemporaries. These are his friends. These are the people that, that he grew up with. He went to them and, and he asked them, what should I do in this moment? And the advice they gave him was the total opposite of what the first guy said. Whereas the first men told him to listen to the people and Trust them and grant their request. These younger men told him to come down even harder. They told him to give the people more work. They essentially told him to tell the people, if you thought my dad was mean, you hadn't seen anything yet. That was the advice the young guys gave him. The question is, who does he listen to? What does he do? Whose advice does real bone decide to take in this very critical moment? We're going back to what the Bible says in verses 13 and 14. We don't have to guess about this. The Bible tells us who real bone listened to. The Bible tells us that in this moment, Instead of listening to the older and wiser men of experience, Rehoboam decided to listen to his friends. He decided to listen to the young men that he grew up with, and that decision to listen to these men, to come down harder on the people, that would have some very serious consequences. In fact, the impact of that decision would actually lead to the division of the kingdom of Israel. It would actually lead to 10 of the tribes of Israel deciding to no longer be under the authority of Rehoboam near the city of Jerusalem, and they would leave from his authority, and they would go to the north and serve under a man named Jeroboam, while only two other tribes, that would be Judah and Benjamin, those would be the only two that would stay with Rehoboam. Ten of the tribes would go with Jeroboam and they would form the northern kingdom of Israel while two of the tribes, they would stay with Rehoboam. And so practically speaking, that means this. That means that after being a united kingdom, 
during the reigns of King Saul and King David and King Solomon, now the kingdom of Israel is divided. Now the unity in Israel has been, has been shattered. Now there are two distinct kingdoms in, in Israel. That was the result of this one foolish decision made by Rehoboam. Do you see that? One decision impacted thousands and thousands of people in that way. And I believe that from this great story preserved for us in the Holy Scriptures, there are some lessons that we need to appreciate about this. And the first lesson we need to appreciate this morning is a lesson, a lesson that has to do with choices. It has to do with decisions. It has to do with the kinds of choices and decisions we're making every single day. Going back to what this text says, remember, when this chapter opens up, and after Rehoboam is installed as the new king of Israel, he's faced with a critical moment of decision. He's faced with a critical moment to where the decision he makes is going to impact a lot of people. What is he going to do in that moment? How is he going to respond to the citizens in his kingdom? How is he going to respond to their cry and their, and their plea to lighten the heavy load that had been placed upon them? He is faced with a decision at this time that has some far-reaching consequences. And I wonder, I wonder, brothers and sisters, if Rehoboam really understood that. I wonder if Rehoboam really knew how the way he answered the questions before him, how impactful that would be. How that would impact not just himself and not just his family, but it would impact everybody in Israel. It would impact the entire nation of Israel for hundreds and hundreds of years. It would actually put Israel on the path they would stay on for the rest of the Old Testament. I wonder if Rehoboam really understood the far-reaching consequences of his one decision. My friends, if he did not consider that, if he never stopped and pondered that, he certainly should have. He certainly should have stopped and considered the impact of his decisions. In fact, not only should he have stopped and considered the impact of his decisions, but the fact of the matter is we all should. We all should stop and consider the impact of the decisions we are making. And please understand that when I talk about decisions we're making, when I talk about choices we're making. I'm not talking about trivial choices that things that really don't make or, or are a big deal in the big scheme of life. I'm not talking about choices like whether or not you're going to choose to to go to Chili's or or Olive Garden or even McDonald's after service this morning. I'm not talking about choices like if you're rooting for the 
the Celtics or the Heat or the Lakers or the Clippers to win the NBA championship. I'm not talking about choices like whether you like Coke or Pepsi or Sprite. I'm not talking about trivial stuff like that. Instead, when I talk about choices this morning, when I talk about decisions, I'm talking about the kind of decisions that have the potential to impact your life for a very long time. I'm talking about decisions that have the potential to impact whether you live or die. Whether you keep your freedom or if you go to jail, whether you go to heaven or if you spend eternity in hell. I'm talking about the kind of decisions and choices that have huge consequences, believe it or not. Young people, listen to me carefully, believe it or not, but every day, every day you're making choices like that. Every day you're making choices that carry huge consequences. Let me tell you something, the decision to drink alcohol or not, that carries huge consequences. That carries huge consequences. I told many of you about a a friend I have from high school named Bubba who's dead right now because he made the foolish decision one night to drink alcohol and get behind the wheel of a car. That one decision not only ended his life, but it ended the lives of four innocent people. The decision to drink alcohol or not, it carries huge consequences. And the same can also be said about whether or not you decide to keep or give up your sexual purity. That decision to either maintain or give up your sexual purity, it has huge consequences. If you, if you give up your sexual purity, you can bring some consequences in your life that, that you just do not want. You can bring about an unwanted pregnancy. You can catch a disease. You definitely will sever your relationship with God. It carries huge consequences. And so does the decision when it comes to the kind of friends you choose to have in your life. Whether or not you decide to stay away from drugs or, or even the kind of clothes you, you decide to wear every single day. Believe it or not, but the kind of attire, the kind of clothes you, you decide to dress in, that has an impact on your life. That has an impact on how people perceive you. That has an impact on whether or not the world is going to take you serious when you say you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. My point is, your daily decisions, they're a big deal. They're a big deal. They have the potential to impact your life for the next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. They have the potential to determine whether or not you're successful in your life. They certainly have the potential to, to, to determine whether or not you stay in fellowship with God and whether or not you stay on that narrow path that's going to lead you to heaven. Rehoboam teaches us that our decisions, my decisions, your decisions, they have far-reaching consequences, and that's why we got to make sure we always make good decisions, right? 
We got to make good, godly decisions. In fact, one of the things that can help us do that is to make sure we always seek good counsel. You need good, godly counsel. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15. Ironically, this is coming from Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who does what? He who listens to wise counsel. It is right here where I want to give Rehoboam some credit. I want to give him some credit for listening to his father Solomon here. Remember, when faced with this critical moment of decision, before doing anything else, the first thing Rehoboam does is he seeks out counsel. He seeks out advice from two different groups of people. The problem, though, was is he listened to the wrong group, didn't he? He listened to fools instead of men who were telling him the right thing to do. His problem wasn't that he sought after counsel. His problem was he listened to the wrong counsel. The question is, what about you? Who are you listening to? Who are you going to for counsel? Who are you allowing to help you make good and righteous and godly decisions in your life? For our young people, particularly right now, I, I want to offer you three. Three good places, great places, wonderful places to go to seek, God, to seek out godly and righteous counsel. The first place should be pretty obvious. It's your parents. It's your mommy and your daddy. Let me tell you something. You can hardly ever go wrong when you seek counsel from a godly Christian mommy or daddy. If you have a Christian mommy or daddy, if you have a mommy or daddy that's in this room right now that's with you worshiping God, you are blessed and you can't go wrong when you go to them seeking counsel in your life because guess what? They love you. They care about you. They think about you. They pray for you. Contrary to what you may believe at times, their mission in life when they wake up in the morning is not to make your life miserable. Instead, their mission is to help you be successful. Their mission is to guide you, to direct you, to care for you, to ultimately help give you back to the God who gave them, who gave you to them in the first place. You can hardly ever go wrong when you go see counsel from a godly mommy and a godly daddy. But a second good place for you to go for counsel is your spiritual family. It's the people in this room right now. It's the six elders or the six shepherds that make up this church. That lead this church, that direct this church, that teach this church. It's your Bible class teachers. It's your Christian friends. It's all these people you have in this room right now who are of one mind and, and one faith and one spirit trying to go to heaven together. These people are your friends. These people also have your best interest in mind. And so you need to go to your parents, especially if they're Christians. You need to go to your spiritual family. And then finally, the most important place you need to go for wise counsel is you need to go to God. 
You need to go to Jesus. Particularly, you need to go to the book of God. You need to go to the Bible. You need to pray. And then you need to open up God's book. You need to understand that this book right here is not designed just to tell you about your origin and about your purpose and about God's love and grace and mercy. But this book is also designed to give you the godly counsel you need in your life. It's also designed to be a source to help you. Gain insight into the wisdom of God. That's what the psalmist says in Psalm 119 and verse 105. He says the word of God is a is a, a light, a lamp to his feet and a light to his path. What does that mean? That means the word of God gives you direction. It guides you. It leads you in the way that God wants you to go. You see, in the Bible, my friends, in the Bible, God counsels you. He counsels you on the kind of friends you need to choose. He counsels you on the kind of clothes you need to wear. He counsels you on, on whether or not it's wise to drink alcohol and, and abstain from sex until you get married. You can't ever go wrong when you seek out the wisdom of God in his book. Because guess what? God knows everything. He knows everything about everything. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He loves us and cares for us more than anyone else in our lives. Now, those are two points I want you to think about. But before we close, I want to close with a question. And this question is not just for the young folks, not just for the teenagers. But this is a question for everybody. It's for me, it's for you, okay? And here's the question. The question is, how do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered in your life? You know, it is interesting to me how this foolish decision, this one foolish decision that the Bible Reveals about Rehoboam. That is the main thing that he's remembered for today. Have you noticed that? Have you thought about that? I mean, today, when people think about Rehoboam, they don't immediately think about him being the fourth king of Israel. They don't even immediately think about him being the son of the wise man Solomon. Instead, when people hear the name Rehoboam today, the first thing that comes to their mind is this foolish decision he made that divided the kingdom of Israel. That's what people think of first, and that teaches us something. That teaches us that the foolish decisions we make in our lives, they have the potential to follow us for a long time, don't they? They have the potential to follow us and define us. They have the potential to be the main thing that people remember about us when we are dead and no longer on this earth. You see, while God will certainly forgive us and restore us when we make foolish and even sinful decisions, the fact still remains that those sinful decisions we make, even when we repent of them, they can follow us for a long time. They can travel 
with us in our lives. And that's why we got to make sure. We got to make sure we always think about that. We got to do the best we can to make good decisions that are founded upon the word of God. In fact, of all the choices that we can make in our lives. I think we can all agree that no decision is better than the decision to be a Christian, right? The decision to be a child of God, the decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ. There is no better decision that any of us could ever make in our lives. And so if there's someone here this morning and that's the decision you need to make for the first time, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that while we sing this invitation song. If there's someone here this morning who wants to make the decision to follow Jesus, I want you to know that that is the wisest and best decision you could ever make. And if we can help you and serve you in that in any way at all, you come to the front right now. Let's stand. Let's sing.